What a day that will be, because that will be the one time that we worship 100%. That none of us will be a part of it. It will be all worshiping Him, 100%. But none of us. Nothing to do with us. What a day that will surely be. Let's just pause for prayer as we go and look into God's Word. Father, again, we just thank you for the privilege just to come together again and to worship you, Father. And I just pray tonight as we look into your Word, I pray that you give us understanding. I pray that we won't just be hearers, we'd be doers, Father. And I pray that you would just remove anything that's me, Father, and that it would be all you. Because, Father, I have nothing at all to say tonight, but you have everything to say. And we just thank you and we praise you for all that you've done and you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. This upcoming weekend, the Bahamas is going to make history. We'll be hosting the National Relays, the International Relays, the IFF World Relays. The first time it's ever been held, and it's being held right here in our beautiful Bahamas. Anyone, anyone got tickets for it? Anyone got tickets for it? Anyone got? No, no, I'm not selling tickets. Are you selling tickets? No, we don't want tickets, no. But this will be the time when countries from all over the world come here to compete. And for one purpose, to win a gold medal. There'll be no country coming here just to compete and hope for a good show. But everyone is hoping to come here to be crowned the best relay team of each individual relay. You see, we'll have countries like the Bahamas, Jamaica, United States, all over the world. But tonight we need to realize that we are all one country in the sense that we are all working for one person. And that is Jesus Christ. And that is the race that we are running. That is the one that we are running for. It doesn't matter we have a Bahamas shirt on. What matters is what's happening inside our lives, our hearts, whether that belongs to Jesus Christ. You see, athletes have been practicing for, ten, for years to compete in different events. Some last in less than 10, ten um, seconds. But they give it their all. They strive for the prize, which is the gold medal. We know that all through Scripture... Paul talks about the Christian life being a race that we run every day. The question tonight is, are you ready for that race? Are you working as hard as you can for the race? Are you training for that race? Are you trying to do the best that you can so that when you leave this place, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Before we look in tonight's passage, we must recognize in Corinthians, it deals a lot with doctrine. Paul deals a lot with doctrine, as we saw tonight, he deals with the Lord's Supper, and a lot of things of doctrine. But he also takes some time to show some application. Tonight we want to look at that one of those passages. If you would turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 27. And it says, Do, not you, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. You see, Paul was trying to give them an illustration that they would understand. In those days, the Greeks enjoyed two games the Olympic Games, and the Ishmian Games. The Ishmian Games were held in Corinth. So Paul wanted them to understand, so he got down to their level. And we know today, if you ever want to start a conversation with a, a man, 
Where do you always go? Sports. So here Paul even shows, look, I'm going to go to sports. I'm going to go to things that you understand. I'm going to go to the race. We're going to look at four points tonight. And the first point is this. Compete to win the race. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. I want you to think for a second of all the Olympic events that you've ever watched. And I want you to just think for a second and ask yourself this question. Do you remember who came in second place? If it was not the Bahamas? United States, okay. The individual, the individual athlete. More than likely, we don't remember. Unless the Bahamas was in that race. Because I remember in 1996, when our, the Golden Girls now, but when they won the Civil Medal, we were all excited about that. But then 2000, we came back and won the Gold Medal. And I remember that because I remember ZNS playing that over and over and over again. But it was a good event, but I remember that just being played over and over again. If you did not know anybody who ran in that race, you had to know everybody ran the race by the time that was over. Because they won. You see, we have to run and we have to compete to win the race. You don't want to just run. You don't want to just show up to an event. The point is to show up to an event to win. I remember when I was in Luther, the team that won, as we all know now, the Golden Knights, the 4x400 men's relay team. They came to celebrate because that's where Chris Brown was from in his home summit. And I don't know how many of you remember the race, but if you don't know, the Bahamas was leading the race after the first two baton handoffs. Then it was time for Michael Matthew to get the baton. And Michael Matthew, when we was, if you remember this, he, had the, he was running the race, then all of a sudden the United States took over him on that third leg. And we have actually a video, I don't know if you've ever seen on YouTube, but in Royal Bank of Canada, we had Bahamians carrying on crazy, and there, you know, I believe work stopped for about four minutes because no one was dealing with money, Everyone was just watching glued to the TV. And I remember as we were winning, everyone in the bank was cheering and excited and be like, yeah, go, 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 you know? The minute they, the United States overtook the Bahamas, you could hear the teeth sucking, man, again? You know, they were upset. They didn't know what was going on. They were very upset. But Michael Matthew tells the story and he says this. He was hoping for Ramon Miller, who was the anchor leg, to overtake, because he said, you know what? I will never be able to go back home. Because we know Bahamians love their running. We know Bahamians love their sports. And we all know what would happen, because I know I'm one of them too, where I said, man, again? I remember, I remember, I don't know, the last Olympics when the 4x4 team was in third place, and all of a sudden somebody overtook them, and they didn't win anything. You see, he understood the importance of winning the race. He understood that, you know what, we don't want to settle for second place. We want to win the gold. And that's what we all should shoot for. We can think of many different sports this way. We can think of baseball, basketball. It doesn't really matter if you finish the runner-up. I mean, if some of them are because they had some extra money. But it doesn't really matter. Nobody really remembers them. But you always remember the champion. You always remember who won the NBA championship, the major league championship. You see, we all should compete to win. The winner is what is remembered. 
As we think about Christian walk and being in this race, we must remember that we are pursuing to be the best that we can for God. This verse doesn't not mean that only one person will receive the prize when they stand before God, but this simply means we need to run the race to obtain the prize. Our motivation in the Christian life should not be about having just a fire insurance to say, well, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. But our goal should be to win and to run in obtaining the prize. This should be an encouragement for us because we all need to recognize that we are not running alone. But there are all these believers, believers, each one of us in this room tonight, we are running this race together. The question for us tonight is this. Are we motivating each other to win? Are we asking each other, hey, how's it going? How are you running? You know, I think too many times, even in the Christian life, we have so much discouragement. We always know the negative. We always hear the negative from another person. But how many of us hear the positive, the encouragement from that person? You see, too many times, as believers, we need encouragement. Because you know what? We are living in a time, in a world, that discouragement is all around us. Suffering is happening because we are to suffer. And we all need to hear encouraging words. I want you to think for a second again of you exercising at home or at a gym. You know, many people get a trainer because you know why they get a trainer? Because they realize that they need that extra push. They need that extra motivation. And I don't know how many of you ever watched The Biggest Loser. I've seen it a couple of times. And those trainers sometimes, I mean, they yell and scream at those people. And you know why they do that? Because they, they need that extra boost. They need them to finish the last five minutes or do the last rep. For me and you, we have a better trainer than that. We have Jesus Christ. We have the one that has shown us. We have God. We have us. We have the, the, the best coach that you could ever have who's right there helping us. The question is, what are we doing? How are we being trained? As we'll look at it a little bit later. We as believers don't need to scream at each other, but we need to motivate and encourage each other to finish the race. Because the race is not over until the day that the Lord returns or calls us home. You see, this race never ends until the day that Jesus Christ calls us home. Philippians 3, verses 12 to 16 says, Not that I have already obtained this, or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and straining toward what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. You see, we haven't obtained anything. Or we are not perfect, but it is because of Jesus Christ that he has made us his own. Paul makes it clear in verse 14 that toward the goal, the prize, which is Jesus. Let us continue. Let us push forward. Let us understand that he is the prize. He is what we are striving for. He is who we are striving to be like. What more motivation should we need than to know that we are not running the race on our own? But we have Jesus right there beside us. We have other witnesses that's right there beside us. I remember when I was in school, we had a coach. And he was not the greatest motivational speaker. I remember showing up to a game one day and, and he came to us and said, 
Guys, I just want you to know, I don't think we're going to win this game today. But just please go out there and give your best. What a motivational speech that was. Before the game had ever started, the coach already felt that the team had no chance of winning. The question is, what is the point of playing if you don't feel like you have a chance to win? You see, I I was a coach before, and I know that that you go into some games and you think, you think that way, but you never tell your team that because you know what? There's always that chance of winning. You see, too many times we listen to that and we just get defeated and we give up. We hear people say, what's the point of living this Christian life? What's the point of running this race? The point is that we have a greater call, a greater purpose. You see, we must understand this Christian walk. We must go every day and ready and be willing to work hard and do our best with no regrets. Because the greatest coach of all time is right there with us. First Timothy 4, 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. Our second point is this. Compete with self-control. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. For we an imperishable. It does not say that some athletes should exercise self-control. But it says all the athletes must exercise self-control. This is not written to the special Christian who may be a preacher or a Sunday school teacher. But this is all of us. All of us must be doing this. An athlete exercises self-control by training and refraining from everything that can do their body damage. An athlete trains early in the morning and late at night. You see, an attitude of an athlete should not be, I don't want to practice. But the attitude of an athlete should be, I want to get as best as I can be. The only athlete I know who said they don't need practice is Philadelphia 76er Allen Iverson. And I don't know if you've ever heard the interview, but in like four minutes, he mentioned the word practice 23 times to tell his coach, I don't need to practice because I'm the star player of your team. You see, we need not to be like that. We need to recognize that we can never be the star of this team. We got to work to that. We never arrive. We never are the star of this. We never could get to that point until the day Christ comes back. When we are perfected in him. You see, an athlete would also have a good diet. You won't see an athlete eat anything he wants, but he must practice self-control. You see, these Corinthians knew that every athlete who participated in the races had to take an oath. They had to be training for 10 months, and they had to be giving up certain foods in their diet to enable them to endure the race. They subjected themselves to a rather rigorous discipline in order to win. But Paul says that all that they are, winning is just fading away. What they are winning is just fading. It's nothing eternal. But you see, we are in a race, and we are looking for the eternal prize, which is Christ Jesus himself. This is like in our Christian life. We need to be self-disciplined like an athlete. We need to train ourselves as we are not sprinting. This is not a sprint race, but this is a marathon. This is something that doesn't just happen in 10 seconds. But this is an everyday thing, the everyday life. Paul challenged the Corinthian church that here, look, if we could put so much effort and give up so much, for this perishable wreath. Why can't we give up so much for the imperishable? 
So many times in life, we have the time and energy to complete anything we want in life. Whatever project it is around the house, whatever it is, we have the time and energy. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, we don't have the time. We don't have the energy. We're tired. We don't have time for that. And it shouldn't be that way because He is imperishable. So the question is, how do we train? How do we train for this race? Well, first of all, the way we train is we relinquish all extra weight. Hebrews 12:1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings closely to us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, we'll never see a runner with weights in his hands. You never see someone trying to break the world record running down a 100-meter dash with weights in their hands. It just doesn't happen. So why do we as Christians think that we could have weights and sin in our lives and think that we could be the best that we can be? You see, we had the Lord's Supper tonight, and we have this time of confession. But the question is, this should be a daily thing. This should be something that we should always be in contact, confessing our sins, because if we have sin in our lives, then we lose communication. You see, we cannot communicate rightly if we have the sin in our lives. Second way we train is by studying the Word of God. Second Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God. One approve a workman who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the Word of truth. We know the KJV says to study to show yourself approved. But I like how the ESV says it because it says this, Do your best. Do your best. You see, God doesn't want the second best. He wants the best. Why are we satisfied with giving Him second best? You see, we must not just be able to read and memorize God's Word, but we must be ready to what? Handle it, the Word of Truth. Defend it. Know it. Study it. It doesn't mean I just wake up in the morning and say, oh, let me just turn here and I'm going to read this verse. No. Study God's Word in this race. You see, too many times we get satisfied with spending five to ten minutes and think we've done our godly duty every day. But you see, it doesn't say that. It says to study it. Anything less is not enough when it comes to Jesus. The third and last way that we train is this. By communicating with the Master. You see, how in life do we get to know each other? It's because we communicate with one another. We talk to each other. We find out things about each other. You see, it's no different than with God. You see, we need to be in constant communication with Him. We need to be talking to Him, finding out things. But how are we going to get to know God's will for our lives and what He wants us to do if we're not communicating to Him, with Him? We can't. We can't get to know Him more unless we communicate with Him. You see, I remember an old Sunday school song which said, whisper a prayer in the morning, whisper a prayer at noon, whisper a prayer in the evening. So keep your heart in tune. You see, if we are in constant communication with God, our lives would be different. We would be different. But we must remember this. God is all around us. We can't hide from God. We can't get away from Him. We can't think that we can hide sin in our lives or do things and think He's not going to find out. He knows about it. He sees us. But I think sometimes we think we can fool God. But we can't fool Him. The third point is this. Compete with a purpose. 
1 Corinthians 9.26 says this, So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. You ever been on a diet or an exercise routine and you felt like you worked out very hard and you felt like you, know, you cut out all this food and you exercised really hard and then you went after a week and went on the scale and saw absolutely no results? Anyone ever been there and just been discouraged? You know, you've probably been there. Done that. What did you say? You got to go to outdoor fitness? That's what he said. Outdoor fitness advertisement right in the front from Brother Clinton. But no, that happens a lot of times. People cut out these foods, you know, and do all this exercising, but yet they see no results. But when it comes to Christ, there's nothing that we do in vain. There's nothing that we can do that doesn't show. Hebrews 6.11 says this, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end. You see, we have been assured that if we run earnestly and we give our best, our hope and full assurance is not in vain. You see, we have to give 100%. That's when you see results. You know, you can't, on a diet, you can't sneak that chocolate cake and think, well, you know, I only ate um, half the size I used to eat and think you have results. But you see, it has to be a constant thing. Just like with our Lord and Savior. We have to do this with a purpose. William McDonald says this, His service was neither purposeless nor ineffectual. He had a definite aim before his eyes, and his intention was that his every action should count. There must be no wasted time or energy. The apostle was not interested in wild misses. You see, we as believers should always be intentional in all that we do to point others to Christ. There should be nothing in us that wants just to get by. I just want to get by. You know, I remember in school, sometimes, you know, you, you, you just hope that sometimes at the end of the day, you just get, you know, in, especially in Spanish class, just hope that you get by. You, you know, I, just want, I don't want to fail this test, so let me just get by. But God isn't satisfied with that. He wants 100%. He wants us to give everything to Him. He wants us to be the best that we can be for Him. Which brings us to the last point. Compete to stay in the race. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says this, But I discipline my body and keep it under control. That's after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. You see, when you think of a race on a track, there are many things that you can do to get disqualified. But probably the greatest offense that we've probably ever seen, especially as we think of the relays coming up, is stepping out of your lane. You see, everything comes back to being disciplined in all that you do. You must stay within the guidelines that God has given us. And we must understand that His playbook is our guidelines. This is what we have to stay in. This is where we have to focus. This is where we look to His Word as His guideline. That is our lane to stay in. This is the same as in our Christian run. When we must not do anything to be disqualified in trying to win others to Christ. If the way we conduct ourselves doesn't match up with the Word of God, we have totally disqualified ourselves to being any good witness to others. To motivate others is to stay in the race and to preach to others. You see, we have to be motivated. We have to stay in this race. We have to recognize that, look, if I call myself a believer and I am running this race, 
I need to recognize, I need to be within these boundaries until the day that the Lord comes. I need to be a witness, a testimony. The one way that we can make sure at the end of the day that we have no regrets in this race is that we follow Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And verse 2 is the key. Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despite the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, it's just like in any race. The one thing as a runner, and I'm not a runner, but the one thing they tell you to do is what? Never look behind you. Always focus to the front. And here Hebrews says, look, fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus on him. He is the finish line. Don't worry about what's happening behind you. Focus on him. He's ahead of you. He's already been across this. There's been many people, as we see through God's word, that are your witnesses. You can see what they have been through and they have kept the course. What makes us so different? Well, Nicholas, you don't know what I'm going through. What about Job? Who went through as much stuff as Paul himself? Beatings, chain, you know. I don't think any of us would ever go through the persecution that Paul, or like I said, the suffering that Job went through. But they kept the course. They kept the faith. Because I think they fixed their eyes on the prize. They fixed their eyes on the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. You see, we must set our eyes on that finish line. The one that we are running for. You see, we are not to get caught up in looking around and wondering what is going on around us, but fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder and what? Perfecter of our faith. You see, our testimony is everything that we have to hold on to. I would imagine a relay race as a runner is running with the baton. And he, even when he passes it off to the next runner, he wants to make sure that he does not drop the baton. Because if he drops the baton, then his team will be disqualified. It's just like in our Christian race. If we drop our guard, if we drop everything down, if we are not staying fit, then it will be an easy way to compromise or disqualify us. You see, we have to stay the race. We have to remember that, look, this race isn't over. The race won't be over until the day that Christ comes back for us and takes us home. And what a day that will be, that we would recognize and understand that, look, the things that are going on here are are nothing. When we could fix our eyes on Him and understand that He, and if we fix our eyes, then we will never be disqualified. So the point of application tonight, fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus on Him 100%. He's the finish line. We need nothing more, nothing less. Just Him. So compete to win the race. Compete with self-control. Compete with a purpose. But lastly, compete till the end. Because nobody wants to end the race early. But no one wants to leave here with regrets. Give 100% till the end and recognize that 
when you stand before God, that he would say, good and faithful servant, because you've done the race. Like I said, he's not like my old coach. But he's the coach that's motivating us every day because he gives us his spirit inside of us every day to go on with life. So I just challenge each one of us, stay the course. Stay within the lanes. Stay within the guidelines. Finish the race and fix your eyes on him. Let us pray. Father, again, we just thank you and we praise you for all that you have done. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for just the manual to life that it is. And Father, even as you know, you give us so much illustrations, and as, we, as Paul just illustrates to us, Father, I pray that we would stay the course, that we would run this race to the best of our abilities, that we would release every sin in our lives, that we would just give it over to you. And Father, tonight I don't know, there may be one here tonight that doesn't know you as Savior. I pray that you would help them to realize that, Father, that they're not even in the race if they don't know you. But Father, they would come to know you as Savior and join in the race. That they would, we would, all of us as believers would be a motivation to one another. That we would recognize that we need to encourage one another. That we need to be there for each other. Just thank you and I praise you. And I pray, Father, as we go home to our separate ways, wherever you take us, Father, that you keep us safe. And Father, if it is your will that you bring us back next week to worship you. And as Father, this week we will continue and remember that worship isn't that we just do here. But that we will continue to have an attitude of worship wherever we go. And that we be a light in our job place or wherever you take us. We just thank and we praise you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.